One point that I want to make uh, tonight as, we, as we're kind of going through different sides of this topic. Uh, one thing, uh, we're going to do a little bit different tonight. It's going to be a, um, the sermon the sermon's going to come first, and then the reading of the passage is going to come later. Uh, and the sermon's going to be shorter, like a reading of the passage sometimes is, and the reading of the passage will be longer. Because um, this, is, this is the one thing that I want to get across tonight. Sex is good. That's the, that's the Bible's view of things. You're looking at how does the Bible talk about things. The Bible's view is that sex is good. And I don't just mean that good sex is great, which is also true. Um, but that, <laughs> see, there's the snickering, there's the laugh, that's good. Um, but that sex itself is good. Sex itself is morally good. It's by God's design. He came up with the idea. Uh, yes, it has an appropriate context. Uh, but God has made sex uh, good. I think, I think most of us don't believe this or don't believe that the Bible teaches that. Um, it's something to be kind of kept down or not talk about. Some of you, some of you, some of you feel like maybe we need to avoid it uh, because it's wrong. Or other times we, we want it and we just think, well, maybe the Bible's wrong. Or, or the Bible shouldn't be restricting us uh, in, in these ways or something. Um, so what we're going to do tonight, to, to, I can't think of any better way to get across the point that sex is good um, than by reading for you uh, biblical erotic love poetry. Um, if you didn't know, there's a whole book of the Bible that is biblical erotic uh, love poetry, and um, that's that's what it is. You, you can describe it other ways, but but that's what it is. Uh, biblical erotica, essentially. Um, so you know about this book of Song of Solomon. There's no mention of God anywhere through the whole entire book. In some places where you might think that it would come up, there's there's nothing religious uh, in the book at all, and still it is God's holy inspired and infallible word. It's breathed out by God, right? We looked at 2 Timothy 3 that says that. Uh, first week, it's breathed out by God and profitable, uh, right, profitable to, make you, to equip you for every good work. Um, so, including sex. Um, sex is good. That's what I want to try to get across tonight. Okay, sex is good, but the problem is uh, we're not good. Uh, right? Part of me worries about, like, how are y'all going to, how are you going to respond to it when you read all the way through, uh, through Song of Solomon, right? So, some of you are just going to get a little turned on, but some of you are dating. You're going to want to go make out afterwards. Um, got to understand the full context of the book. Um, uh, as in Scripture speaks both to prudes as well as to perverts, right? Both, both ends of the spectrum uh, and says that we're, we're both off and it calls us to, to something different. I think sometimes you... you uh, you hear this and you hear things that talk about sex and it makes you want sex more, but not in the right ways, right? Um, sometimes maybe you, you hear things that talk about sex and what you want to do is kind of lock yourself down against it. Like, I don't even know what you're talking about and I'm not going to think about any of these things. Um, that's, that's wrong too. Sometimes maybe you can come across with a uh, kind of holier than the Bible. That's not really possible, but sometimes you act that way. Listen, don't call bad what God has called good. God, God doesn't say sex is dirty. He says sex is good. It's beautiful. Um, it's great. Um, so sometimes maybe we twist things in our, in our mind and make things worse. But listen, I don't care whether you're on which end of the spectrum, prude, pervert, or, or both. Um, scripture speaks to you. And it calls us uh, to, a, to a high view of it. And part of what Scripture does is it exposes, exposes us. Um, exposes our guilt. Exposes our shame. Uh, maybe that's past sexual things that you've done, um, experiences with someone else or by yourself or in your mind, um, or, or even just ignoring and repressing that side of how God's made you as a sexual being. 
Uh, and this brings that out um, and exposes that. Um, when, it comes to, when it comes to sex, part of why, there's other reasons, but part of why it's awkward um, is because we, we feel some of our shame. We feel, feel our guilt. Because sex is good, but well, we're not good. Uh, but thankfully, God is good. Um, he, he's good to make sex, sex such an incredible experience. Uh, he's good to speak to us about the beauty and the passion of sexual love, um, to direct us to, to pursue what's right, to go after it. Uh, this is to make you long for these things. He's good to, to still deal with us in our shame, deal with us in our guilt uh, with his love, right? Not simply to uh, expose us and leave us uh, ashamed, but to, but to cover us cover us in his love in Christ, that Christ has gone through the ultimate shame of rejection on the cross from his Father, and now he is raised and righteous, given the name above every name, and that's what, as we trust in him, that's what we get to share. That's the privilege of what the gospel offers, shame being covered, guilt being removed. Jesus died for our sexual wrongs and for our guilt. And you get to be made clean and pure uh, because Jesus is. Uh, God is good. He's, he's good to promise uh, to fulfill our desire and to satisfy us. And I'm not just speaking uh, physically of sex, right? We said a couple weeks ago, uh, sex is about Jesus. Uh, that God has done all in Christ, that he is what satisfies us and fully will. So as so we go through this book and it's not uh, religious and you don't hear God's name and all these things, there's still within the whole context of Scripture that you learn something that, uh, that, that the, it's talking about this, uh, these two, uh, this two, the two lovers in the book, and they're pointing to Christ and the church. They're pointing to all of history, all of redemption and to eternity, the longing uh, that's there. So sex is good. We're not good. Uh, but God is good, and he's made sex good. So best way I think I can get to show you that is by going through uh, the book of Song of Solomon. Please, please snicker. Please snicker. That's going to be so awkward if you don't. Um, all right, we're going to go through this book. Uh, I'm, re- I'm going to read through it. I'm reading from the, uh, mostly from the New Living Translation, so it's, something, it's, it's a little bit easier just to hear, um, hear and understand it. So, so, um, uh, and it this book is over the top. I'm just going to tell you tell you how to time. It's over the top. Um, it's incredible uh, poetry um, of desires that, that you can relate to, um, and you're supposed to relate to it. This is this is what you really want. Um, now, listen. What I'm doing is I'm I'm going to read through it. I'm not acting it out. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to get Karen to come up and read the girls' part, and I'll read the girl. Like I don't know that we would make it all the way through the book. You know, so. <laughs> Um, listen, yes, thank you. Um, there's actually, there's three, uh, there's three voices through the book. Most of it is the voice of the woman. Uh, there's also the voice of, uh, of a man. And then there's this voice of others. Sometimes it's the daughters of Jerusalem, sometimes it's different things. Um, y'all are going to read the part that's the third voice. I'm going to read the man and the woman voice. Y'all are, so there's going to be some times where you're going to help me read it, okay? There's going to be something up there and it's going to say, this verse, read together. And then we're going to do our best to kind of read through it. Um, listen, as you, as you hear this book, um, the imagery that it uses, there's a whole lot of metaphor, a lot of double entendre, a whole lot of metaphor, um, and it is, uh, it's, it's ancient metaphor. It tends to be more rural and agricultural metaphor. I'm going to have a bunch of slides up here that might cue you into uh, why this is so sexual and hopefully will help you snicker. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, I, but I'll say this, I... I I won't say this very often about very many things, but as we go through this book, um, think sexual. <laughs> uh, 
you're more likely to get what the book is talking about if you come into it that way. Um, when it's like weird stuff that you don't know what's going on, yes, it's probably about sex, or it's aphrodisiacs, or, or whatever. Um, but, uh, but listen, this is, the, this is the holy word of God that we're going to read, and it's still okay to stick while we do it. Um, and, and I want you to see, if you take anything away from this, that the Bible's view is that sex is good. Uh, like God's designed that way. Um, so uh, you can look along in the Bible if you want. I'd really encourage you just to uh, keep your eyes up. Keep your eyes up, right? Um, uh, if you if you listen, you're gonna you're gonna hear uh, better uh, what's going on. But you're welcome to try to read along if you want to. Um, Song of Solomon, beginning with verse one. Hear the word of God. Uh, this is Solomon's song of songs. The woman says. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is sweeter than wine. How fragrant your cologne. Your name is like its spreading fragrance. No wonder all the young women love you. Take me with you. Come, let us run. The king has brought me into his bedroom. Altogether, how happy we are for you. We praise your love even more than wine. See, it's helping you rejoice in this, okay? <laughs> uh, the woman continues, how right they are to adore you. She says, I am dark but beautiful, O women of Jerusalem. Uh, <clears throat> dark as the, as the tents of Kadar, dark as the curtains of Solomon's tent. Don't stare at me because I am dark. The sun has darkened my skin. My brothers were angry at me. They forced me to care for their vineyards, so I couldn't care for myself, my own Vineyard. Tell me, my love, where are you leading your flock today? Where will you rest your sheep at noon? For why should I wander like a woman who veils herself among your friends and their flocks? If you don't know, O most beautiful woman, follow the trail of my flock and graze your young goats by the shepherd's tents. (laughs) He continues, uh, You are as exciting, my darling, as a mare among Pharaoh's stallions. How lovely are your cheeks, your earrings set them afire. How lovely is your neck enhanced by a string of jewels. And together, we will make for you earrings of gold and beads of silver. The woman continues. The king, she's talking about her lover, is lying on his couch, enchanted by the fragrance of my perfume. My lover is like a sachet of myrrh lying between my breasts. He is like a bouquet of sweet henna blossoms from the vineyards of Engedi. The man replies, how beautiful you are, my darling, how beautiful. Your eyes are like doves. And she says, you are, so, you are so handsome, my love, pleasing beyond words. The soft grass is our bed. Fragrant cedar branches are the beams of our house and pleasant smelling firs are the rafters. She says, I am a spring flower blooming on the Sharon plain, a lily of the valley. Like a lily among thistles, he says, is my darling among young women. She replies, like the finest apple tree among the trees of the forest is my lover among young men. I sit in his delightful shade and taste of his delicious fruit. He escorts me to the house of wine. It is obvious how much he loves me. Strengthen me with raisin cakes. Refresh me with apples, for I am weak with love. 
His left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces me. Swear to me, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and the wild deer, not to awaken or arouse love until the time is right. She continues, I hear my lover coming. He is leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. My lover is like a swift gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he is behind the wall, looking through the window, peering into the room. My lover said to me, rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. Look, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. The flowers are springing up. The season of singing birds has come, and the cooing of turtle doves fills the air. The fig trees are forming young fruit, and the fragrant grapevines are blossoming. Rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. My dove is hiding behind the rocks, behind an outcrop of the cliff. Let me see your form. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is pleasant and your face is lovely. Catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, our vineyards in bloom. My lover is mine, she says, and I am his. He grazes among the lilies. Before the dawn breezes blow and the night shadows flee, return to me, my love, like a gazelle or a young stag on the rugged mountains. The woman continues, One night, as I lay in bed, I yearned for my lover. I yearned for him, but I did not find him. So I said to myself, I will get up and roam the city, searching in all its streets and squares. I will search for the one I love. So I searched everywhere, but did not find him. The watchmen stopped me as they made their rounds and asked, have you, and I asked, have you seen the one that I love? Then scarcely had I left them when I found my love. I caught him, held him tightly. Then I brought him into my mother's house, into my mother's bed where I had been conceived. Swear to me, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and the wild deer, not to awaken or to arouse love until the time is right. And then read together. Who is this sweeping in from the wilderness like a cloud of smoke? Who is it fragrant with myrrh and frankincense and every kind of spice? And she says, look at it's Solomon's carriage surrounded by 60 heroic men, the best of Israel's soldiers. They are all skilled swordsmen, experienced warriors. Each wears on his sword, uh, a sword on his thigh, ready to defend the king attack, uh, against an attack in the night. King Solomon's carriage is built of wood imported from Lebanon. Its posts are silver, its canopy gold, its cushions are purple. It was decorated with love by the young women of Jerusalem. Come out to see King Solomon, young women of Jerusalem. He wears the crown his mother gave him on his wedding day, his most joyous day. And now the man's speaking. You are beautiful, my darling. Oh, you are beautiful. Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. Your hair falls in waves like a flock of goats winding down the slopes of Gilead. Your teeth are as white as sheep, recently shorn and freshly washed. Your smile... It's flawless. Each tooth matched with its twin. Your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is inviting. Your cheeks are like rosy pomegranates behind your veil. Your neck is as beautiful as the Tower of David, jeweled with the shields of a thousand heroes. 
Your breasts are like two fawns, twin fawns of a gazelle grazing among the lilies. Before the dawn breezes blow and the night shadows flee, I will hurry to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. You are altogether beautiful, my darling. You are flawless. Does anyone need a break? You, you doing all right? Going to cool down for a little bit? Remember, sex is good. We're not good. God is good. Um, we're about halfway through. Keep going. You're all right. All right. <clears throat> the, man, the man's continuing to speak. Come with me uh, from come with me from Lebanon, my bride. Come uh, with me uh, from Lebanon. Come down from Mount Amana, from the peaks of Sinir and Hermon, where the lions have their dens and leopards live among the hills. You have ravished my heart, my treasure, my bride. You ravished my heart with one glance of your eyes, with a single jewel of your necklace. Your love delights me, my treasure, my bride. Your love is better than wine. Your perfume more fragrant than spices. Your lips are as sweet as nectar, my bride. Honey and milk are under your tongue. Your clothes are scented like the cedars of Lebanon. You are my private garden, my treasure, my bride, a secluded spring, a hidden fountain. Your thighs shelter a paradise of pomegranates with rare spices, henna and nard, nard and saffron, fragrant calamus and cinnamon, with all the trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes and every other lovely spice. You are a garden fountain, a well of fresh water streaming down from Lebanon's mountains. To which she says, Awake, north wind, rise up, south wind, blow on my garden and spread its fragrance all around. Come into your garden, my love. Taste its finest fruits. To which he replies, <laughs> I have entered my garden, my treasure, my bride. I gather my myrrh, uh, spi- my myrrh with spices and eat honeycomb with my honey. I drink uh, wine with my milk. And we're supposed to celebrate this, so read together. Eat, friends, drink, and be drunk with love. The woman goes on, I slept, but my heart was awake when I heard my lover knocking and calling, open to me, my treasure, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. But I responded, I have taken off my robe. Should I get dressed again? I've washed my feet. Should I get them soiled? My lover thrust his hand into the opening and my inmost yearned for him. I rose to open the door for my love. My hands dripped with perfume, my fingers with lovely myrrh on the handles of the bolt. I opened to my lover, but he was gone. My heart sank. I searched for him, but could not find him anywhere. I called to him, but there was no reply. The night watchmen found me as they made their rounds. They beat and bruised me and stripped off my veil, those watchmen on the walls. Swear to me, O women of Jerusalem, if you find my lover, tell him I am weak with love. So we reply, Why is your lover better than all others, O most beautiful among women? What makes your lover so special that we must swear this? So she answers that question with this description. My lover is dark and dazzling, better than 10,000 others. His head is finest gold, His wavy hair is black as a raven. His eyes sparkle like doves beside springs of water. 
They are set like jewels washed in milk. His cheeks are like gardens of spices, giving off fragrance. His lips are like lilies, perfumed with myrrh. His arms are like rounded bars of gold set with beryl. His loins are like ivory, glowing with lapis lazuli. His legs are like marble pillars set in sockets of finest gold. His posture is stately, like the noble cedars of Lebanon. His mouth is sweetness itself. He is desirable in every way. Such, O women of Jerusalem, is my lover, my friend. So then we reply, Where has your lover gone, O most beautiful among women? Which way did he turn so we can help you find him? She answers, my lover went down to his garden, to his spice beds, to graze in the gardens and gather the lilies. I am my lover's, and my lover is mine. He grazes among the lilies. Now the young man speaks, you are beautiful, my darling, like the lovely city of Tirzah. Yes, as beautiful as Jerusalem, as majestic as an army with billowing banners. Turn your eyes away, for they overpower me. Your hair falls in waves like a flock of goats winding down the slopes of Gilead. Your teeth are as white as sheep that are freshly washed. Your smile is flawless, each tooth matched with its twin. Your cheeks are like rosy pomegranates behind your veil. Even among sixty queens and eighty concubines and countless young women, my dove, my perfect one, is the only one. The favorite of her mother, dearly loved by the one who bore her. The young women see her and praise her. Even queens and royal concubines sing her praises, saying, Who is this arising like the dawn? As fair as the moon, as bright as the sun, as majestic as an army with billowing banners. The young woman says, I went down to the grove of walnut trees, And out to the valley to see the new spring growth, to see whether the grapevines had budded or the pomegranates were in bloom. Before I realized that my strong desires had taken me into the chariot of a noble man. Read together. Return, return to us, O maid of Shalom. Come back, come back, that we may see you again. The man says, Why do you stare at this young woman of Shalom as she moves so gracefully between the two lines of dancers? How beautiful are your sandaled feet, O queenly maiden! Your rounded thighs are like jewels, the work of a skilled craftsman. Your navel is a rounded wine bowl that never lacks wine. Between your thighs lies a mound of wheat bordered with lilies. Your breasts are two fawns, twins of a gazelle. Your neck is as beautiful as an ivory tower. Your eyes are like the sparkling pools in Heshbon by the gate of Bathrabim. Your nose is as fine as the tower of Lebanon overlooking Damascus. Your head is as majestic as Mount Carmel, and the sheen of your hair radiates royalty. The king is held captive by its tresses. Oh, how beautiful you are. How pleasing, my love, how full of delights. You are slender like a palm tree, and your breasts are like its clusters of fruit. I said, I will climb the palm tree and take, 
and take hold of its fruit. May your breath be like grape clusters and the fragrance of your breath like apples. May your mouth be as exciting as the best wine flowing gently over lips and teeth. The young woman says, I am my lover's, and he claims me as his own. Come, my love, let us go out to the fields and spend the night among the wildflowers. Let us get up early and go to the vineyards to see if the grapevines have budded, if the blossoms have opened, if the pomegranates have bloomed. There I will give you my love. There the mandrakes give off their fragrance, and the finest fruits are at our door, new delights as well as old which I have saved for you, my lover. Oh, how I wish you were my brother, who nursed at my mother's breast. Then I could kiss you no matter who was watching, and no one would criticize me. I would bring you to my childhood home, and there you would teach me. I would give you spiced wine to drink, my sweet pomegranate wine. Your left arm would be under my head, and your right arm would embrace me, Swear to me, O women of Jerusalem, not to awaken or arouse love until the time is right. And we say, Who is this, sweeping in from the desert, leaning on her lover? She says, I aroused you under the apple tree where your mother gave you birth, where in great pain she delivered you. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death, its jealousy as enduring as the grave. Love flashes like fire, the brightest kind of flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can rivers drown it. If a man tried to buy love with all his wealth, his offer would be utterly scorned. Now we read together. We have a little sister, too young to have breasts. What will we do for our sister if someone asks to marry her? If she is a virgin, like a wall, we will protect her with a silver tower. If she is promiscuous, like a swinging door, we will block her with a cedar fire. To which she says, I was a virgin, like a wall. Now my breasts are like towers. When my lover looks at me, he is delighted with what he sees. She goes on, Solomon has a vineyard at Baal Haman, which he leases out to tenant farmers. Each of them pays a thousand pieces of silver for harvesting its fruit. But my vineyard is mine to give. And Solomon need not pay a thousand pieces of silver, but I will give two hundred pieces of silver to those who care for his vines. The young man says, Oh, my darling, lingering in the gardens, your companions are fortunate to hear your voice. Let me hear it too. And it ends with her saying, Come away, my love. Be like a gazelle or a young stag on the mountains of spice. The grass withers. <laughs> the flower fades. Uh, but the word of the Lord uh, endures forever. Hopefully you'll remember this. Um, let, me, uh, let me pray for us before we sing. Uh, Lord, our God, we praise you uh, for, for sex, the beauty of it, the passion of it, uh, the goodness of how you designed it. Um, we give you thanks for our awkwardness and not knowing what to do with it, uh, how to read it or hear it uh, being uh, read. Um, uh, some things just from the topic, Lord, some that uh, it brings out our, our fears or our shames or our guilt. Uh, we thank you that it's not 
that we don't come to you based on just uh, what we've done. We come to you based on what uh, Christ, uh, our, our husband, what Christ has done uh, for us, how he has washed us, purified us, made us a beautiful uh, church. Lord, help us to come to you uh, through him. And we pray that by your word you would refine how we look at these things. Um, according to, to what you tell us by the uh, power and the holiness of your spirit. Uh, Lord, we ask for your grace and your help, uh, your conviction and your encouragement, uh, that you would lift us up and let us know uh, even your passion for us, the depths that you would go through uh, for us to draw us into your love uh, and the commitment of your steadfast love with promises to us to eternity to be enjoying your love. Lord, we long for these things, and we pray for it in Christ's name. Amen.